Hello, world, and welcome to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need to shape it to, like, we're the star or something along those lines, whatever. We're here for it. We're just here to share stories and listen to cool people. Sorry if you hear that car. Any hoosers. So today I have one of our more visually prolific guests we've had on so far. Um, he is an actor, a dancer, and just overall, like, entertainer that's had a very good career so far, I would say. So without further ado, let's bring on Alex Ringler. Hello. I was like jamming to the, to the jingle. I was in the living room. It's nice. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> um, I work with marching bands, so I know a lot of music people. I have a friend of mine who does marching band uh, uniform design. And it's like apparently a, like a big market. Like that's how he like makes his, most of his money. I was like, oh, all right. Which company? I, it, girl. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, um, I might have heard them on a few shows then. <laughs> Possibly, possibly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we're not here for the friend. We're here for you. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is cool. <laughs> no problem. Okay. So, um, I always let people introduce themselves technically because no one can describe you better than you. So, have at oh, it. Oh Lord. Okay. Hi. I'm Alex Ringler. Um, I uh, I like he said I'm an actor, a uh, stage, film, and TV. And I also do dumb little fun videos online that um, I, I find are funny and other people do too occasionally. So um, yeah, that's me. Hi. <laughs> hey, and don't worry, that was longer than many, many people's. Okay. <laughs> you can, you can count on me to be long-winded. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm here for it. Okay, so we've already said you are an actor, but I like to emphasize when people are, is that you are a true triple threat. And you've had an amazing oh, career so far. So Thanks. let's dive in. What got mm -hmm. you into the performing arts in the first place? My mother says that when I was like four or something, I asked to start taking dance lessons. I recall this because I was four. But um, she says, you know, that I was also dancing before I could walk, like in, in my little, you know, crib, probably doing something like this to music. So th that started around five. Uh, I was in dance starting age, like from five, age five to age 10. And then I started doing, you know, community theater in uh, middle school and uh, high school and joined my, you know, varsity dance, dance troupe in uh, Tempe High School, shout out. And um, yeah, just kind of started and, and drama club and, and choir and all that junk to just kind of, it was what I was interested in. And um, that just kind of became my direction. And I, you know, you get praised for it. And you, as a kid, especially as a like little gay kid, you're like, oh, I'm getting praised for something. I'm loved for something. I should do that and do more of it. And so uh, I ended up doing that. And um, it was funny because my senior year, I had to decide between taking honors calculus or just kind of like a placeholder class in order to hold rank. Because I, I was never the greatest at math. And so I was like, if I take honors calculus, I might get like a C. But if I take home mech, I'll get an A. So the like point system like just worked out to where I took home mech. And I already knew I was going to go to like an arts, uh, performing arts college. So I didn't think I necessarily needed the fifth year of math of uh, honors calculus. And I ended up graduating 10th in my class because I'm doing that. So. <laughs> 
I am so happy to hear that uh, because, <laughs> so for those who've listened long enough, they know I work in schools. So I actually know of kids that were in a similar situation to you, but like weird schools mm. said that you had to take a math every year and it like completely ruined kids like GPAs. Uh, like it ruined like sports eligibility for people. Yeah, no, I am um, in my school. It was just, you needed four years of math. And I took my first year of math in eighth, uh, high school level math in eighth grade. So by the time I got to senior year, I didn't have to technically take one. And you also shouted out your high school, but where in the world were you when you were growing up? Uh, Tempe, Arizona, Tempe High School, uh, home of the Buffaloes. I don't know if that's what they still say, but that's what we used to say back in the day. It's been a long time. <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm not going to make you age yourself because I know that's dangerous. In oh, it's out there. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if, if you want to find it, you can. I'm not going to help you find it, but you can find it. If you look hard <laughs> okay, so I know you started in dance and a lot of your career has been through dance. Do you emphasize dance or is that just like gigs you get and just where you shine? I think it's like, so I went to school for dance, um, uh, my degree is in jazz dance, and um, I kind of uh, got there, well, I, I auditioned through the Arizona Thespian Conference, which is like there's the Thespian Society schools in America, maybe other places, maybe other countries, I know it is in America, um, and seniors get, can kind of audition at these conferences, and it's kind of a magnet for all these schools to come in and see a bunch of students. And I got called back by the school I eventually went to, but I auditioned for in musical theater. I sang a song and I did a little monologue. And when I was talking with the person, I was like, well, I also dance. And they're like, well, we actually give way more money to male dancers than we do to male musical theater performers. And so I was like, well, cool. Can I audition in that? They're like, yeah, sure. So I ended up like going to Philadelphia to audition in dance. They ended up giving me a good scholarship and I ended up going there. But um, it was nice for her to be honest about that. <laughs> like, maybe you shouldn't audition over here. But I always kind of knew like musical theater was where I wanted to go um, or at least start. And so um, I, tr I geared my training in school uh, to, we had a jazz major at that time when I went to the school and it taught jazz theater, commercial dance and kind of prepared for that uh, life. And it really did prepare me because before I left college, I booked my first um, national tour in Cats. And um, it got, and then, you know, when you're good at something, like you audition, and I feel like you present that first and then you kind of uh, show them that you're good at the other stuff along the way, or you learn the other stuff along the way, which is what I kind of did. Wow. So you're saying your story is very similar to Mario Lopez's in the Golden Girls episode. Very much. I mean, people mistake me for Mario Lopez a lot, so it, it just makes sense. <laughs> uh Oh yeah, so, because I ask this to every person that is a triple threat, I am like a one and a fourth threat, is what I tell people, because <laughs> I'm not a great actor, typecast me please, and give me as few lines as possible, not a singer, wish I could be, but, I mean, one, we all can learn to sing, but it's different than natural talent, I feel. Um, <laughs> not my vein, I can dance, that's my thing, but, cool. so... For people with the triple threats, I'm always jealous of you. So I always like to ask, mm -hmm. which one do you feel is the one that you have to work on the most or consistently to keep up that skill? I think for me, just because I was trained so much and I had like four years of training in like of hardcore training in dance in college, um, I came out not with a deficit, but definitely a focus on like, okay, I have this. 
I know I can go into an audition room and pretty much handle any dance call coming at me. Maybe not if it's like specific, like do a double tour ballet audition, but um, you know, I can pretty much handle my own in dance. So I started to try to work on the other, the other things like, um, like acting and singing. I would say that these days I, I take a lot of acting class with a um, Matt Newton studios here in New York. He teaches on screen acting and he, I took him over the pandemic. And when we were all having to deal with self tapes, he was the first one to be like, buy this light, buy this backdrop, get yourself ready. Cause this is going to be a thing. And so I stuck with him and he's been really good to me so far. And with singing, I think that's the one where I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of getting older. The legs are still functioning, but the recovery time is a lot longer. Um, so I, I, I'm now trying to focus more on really making my voice as strong as I can and um, kind of seeing where I fit vocally in certain, in, in parts or roles in, in musical theater. Yeah, um, know your body, know what you can do. It's a very important piece to have longevity. Girl, wait, like it's, it's you know, it's that's the thing is they used to say like, you know, dancers kind of age out around 30. Like if you if you watch a chorus line, uh, the show, one of the dancers is like, I'm gonna be 30 next year, what am I gonna do? And it's like, in 1975, yeah, that was kind of the age. But now with so much like advancement in, um, physical therapy and even just nutrition, even just exercises you can do to keep yourself healthy. I have a friend who was nominated for a, a role, a dance role on Broadway when she was in her forties. And so I'm like, yeah, she was nominated for a Tony Board. So I was like, oh, you can still do it. It's just, you have to kind of like listen to your body and make sure you're taking care of it, knowing that you're like, okay, she's a little older now. I can't just like do a lunge lunge and kick my face or I can, but then I'm going to have to like sit down and ice myself for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. Jane Krakowski actually said something similar when she won her like lifetime achievement award for dance, when she was dragged mm, across the yeah. stage in her split at 50. <laughs> um, yeah. And she just did another one of those on um, Schmigadoo. And I saw her like just sitting in a split on a jury box. And I was like, yeah, girl, you're doing it. <laughs> I haven't had my split since I was 12. So <laughs> jealous. Slowly getting mine back. Slowly getting mine back. I was never a big splitsy guy anyway, but I'm like, okay, let's let's try to get them for the upcoming jobs. <laughs> Do you have a favored one of the three? Pretty sure my right leg is my flexi leg and my left leg is my strong leg. That tends to like usually dancers have one one leg that's more flexible and one leg that's stronger. I think that's how I was gifted. Yes, it is true. It's like how I'm a left turner, but a righty for everything else in my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, I had, my hips were always very open, Search joke here, but uh, I, I always had a very good like straddle and I, I could pretty much do a 180. Um, like we did the, in, uh, in dance classes when I was younger, we would do something in acro called handstand roll down straddle through toe rise. So straddle through is really like where you take your legs in front of you, Go out to the side, put them all around, and basically, like, if you can't, don't attempt this at home without warming up because it will break your hips. But mine were always just like blue, blue, blue. So they've always been, I've I've been more apt to have a center split than I have either uh, either way split. That's great. I know exactly the move you mean. They did it on Dance Moms like a million times. So. Go watch a lyrical dance moms routine, everyone. You'll see Maddie do it. Oh, yes. Oh, God, dance moms. Oh. 
Oh yeah, you were in Philly, not Pittsburgh though. So I was not. No, I, I, Abby Lee did come and see me dance twice. I think while well, once on tour in Priscilla, and then she saw me dance in Pageant the Musical off Broadway, and she actually gave me a rave review. So I was very happy about that. Wow! Both times she did. Yeah. You have been blessed by one of the most <laughs> famous pop culture dance people on earth. And one of them, one of the things that where she is actually still on the internet somewhere because it was after pageant, they were like interviewing people and they interviewed Abby and she's like, Miss Texas has real talent. And I was like, yeah, you're right, Abby. That's a... <laughs> um, I have questions about that. Not about Abby, but just like, did you think uh, being Miss Texas or being from Arizona helped you be Miss Texas? No, I mean, maybe with the accent. We don't really have, like, a southern accent in Arizona. I think a lot of people think, we're going to talk like this, and, you know, um, but we don't. It's very Midwestern. Um, I don't know. I think Miss Texas was an amalgam of a bunch of things I, I've seen in pageants over the years. Um, and especially, like, because she was the one, Miss Texas is the one who's, she thinks she's going to win. She wins every pageant she enters. She's the front runner in this um competition and so when she doesn't win it's funnier like it's that i loved not winning in pageant because the audience on who win pageants we never knew we had, we had like you know five to six contingency plans of like okay if this person wins we all do this if this person wins we all do this um but it was never fun when i won because it was like almost like it's funner to see the one who thinks she's going to win, like crash and fall. And it was funner to play that. Too. I remember because you have to like keep the smile on your face and well, you're so disappointed and you're so mad at this other girl over here. Like that was so much funner to play. Um, but yeah, I think she was just based on all the, the pageants I'd seen throughout the years and definitely some miscongeniality in there. Some, um, here she was Miss Amphipolis from Xena. They had a beauty pageant episode in Xena Warrior Princess. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's dumb and fantastic at the same time. No, I have you seen Insatiable? I have not seen Insatiable. Okay, so it has a lot of controversy behind the show, but I thought it was a well-written show, but it was about uh, Debbie Ryan from her past Disney days. Um, she gets punched in the mouth because she's actually not a nice person. And her whole summer, her wires, her jaw is wired shut because it broke, but she loses a ton of weight and suddenly is like, well, I'm going to find self-confidence through pageants. And that's why she's insatiable because she's fighting like her hunger, but also like, I like my new life and how people treat me. Um, so lots of critique about like body dysmorphia and everything. I could see but, how that could be a little problematic for some people, but it, it, it would be an interesting watch. <laughs> it was wonderful. My media literacy brain was like so happy with it because they do acknowledge how problematic it is in itself. So, and just lots of random okay. famous people. Oh, what's her name? Alyssa Milano's in it too. Oh, hey girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just so much happening, but Okay, so you already mentioned some of the things you've been in, but to name a few more shows that you've been a part of throughout your life, West Side Story, Icons, mm -hmm. you already said Pageant, you already said Priscilla, A Chorus Line, you already said Cats, you've been in Little Shop, you've been in Naked Boy Singing, and more. Yeah. So All of I'm those are very true, yes. <laughs> I want to know, which of these roles would you say resembles who you, Alex Ringler, are the most? Oh my goodness. Um, 
I think with everything you try to bring, um, a, you know, a certain level of yourself in there, that's kind of what you're there for as, as that actor for that role. But, um, I mean, naked boy singing is, is, is such like, you know, you're literally naked on stage. So it's like, if I could put my whole self into a show, that was probably the one. And it's, you know, it's more songs built around it's, it's not necessarily playing a character it's like little vignettes so you're playing kind of like a bunch of different ones so that was kind of fun to do and kind of closest to myself i would say because there wasn't really a character to play you had to like kind of bring yourself in that song um oh goodness everything else though maybe maybe priscilla just because it's every little gay boy's dream to like just being a show you're just you're in you're in regular clothes and you get to be fabulous in larger than life drag as well and that's kind of where i live my life as well so i'd, I'd say around that uh, priscilla is probably closest to me that makes sense um <laughs> which one of these roles challenges you the most or has challenged um I'd say either West Side Story just because of the dancing. And when I, I had to play action in the international tour and that just makes you go to kind of a really dark place, um, which, you know, it's I'm easy going to a dark place, but then it's hard to not carry that around with you. Um, so I'd say probably that one challenged me the most. Yeah, probably, probably um, and I've done in a, a bunch of different West Side Stories too, so. Is kind of like every time you kind of get you have to get back into that choreo again um i was lucky lucky to do the um robin's choreography like at least in three iterations of the show and it's it takes it out of you so that's actually something i've wondered about the industry at large too when people like are in and out in new tours like a restaging of tours like how consistent is the choreography usually um I, I can't speak as an expert on this, but usually the choreography is licensed with the show when it goes from Broadway to a tour. I'm not sure if that's always the case, but it's been the case whenever I've joined a tour. Um, so usually they have someone like an associate choreographer um, from the Broadway company who sets the tour. And um, and yeah, and then it'll, it'll be the same choreography that was seen on Broadway. Yeah, that makes sense because so my background's mostly ballet stuff and we all know that when you get permission to do a ballet, that original company gets to send some snooty old person to come and just <laughs> rip your thing apart <laughs> as they feel. Well, like and that's the thing with with, you know, certain um certain legacies or um I forget the word at the moment, but uh like the Robbins Foundation and the the Bob Fosse Gwen Burden Foundation. Like if you want to use their choreography for a production of Chicago or West Side Story or what have you, you have to license it, you have to pay for it, and then you have to get someone they approve to teach it to you. So there is that level of you know specificity as well. And I've seen like you know the last revival of Sweet Charity wasn't Fosse, and so they had to re-choreograph it. And I think if I don't know if they did this, but I I'm, the Fosse legacy would probably like watch it to make sure they're not stealing any of the choreography. Oh, that makes sense. Have you heard about the new cats? I've not. Way up briefly, I've heard about the new cats. Oh, I saw like a, I saw a post about it, and then I was like, oh, okay. Um, it's it's what opening off Broadway soon? Was that the? Was that yeah, the it's off Broadway, and it's being reimagined as ballroom. 
Yes, that's what it was. And I was like, that's mm -hmm. kind of cute. I yeah. can see her. Yeah. It also kind yeah. of like the way the way all the cats are like presented as like kind of different categories. Different categories. Gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that, it does. It lends itself kind of to that. So I'd, I'd be interested to see it. Yeah, me too. Um, I actually just heard more about it today because someone found, apparently their casting call was on Tumblr. And I was like, oh, on Tumblr, like that website that went defunct when Yahoo bought it. Wait, they, they put an audition notice on Tumblr? Apparently, which okay. is not the right. most abnormal. Oh, those who have been here long enough know, I was almost in the Spider-Man Homecoming movie because they just had very <laughs> specific niches of things they wanted. They okay. wanted like someone Asian American, someone that looks young enough to be in high school, which I did back then. Um, someone who could do talents of high school football games that are visual. And I was like, okay, marching band done. So okay. I was like, wow, I'm checking off all these boxes. It was two days of filming in Atlanta. It was on the day of my final for grad school. Oh, damn. I know, and I couldn't swing it. So I was like, oh, damn it. But they cut out the whole scene anyway from the movie, so. There you go. <laughs> that was kind of like my scene, my, right before my senior year of college, um, I had audition for, I think, Disney Cruise Line. And I got offered the role of Tarzan in something. And um, I think on, on one of the ships. And I was like, oh, I really want to finish my senior year. I just, I, I spent three years. I was like, I wanted that degree. I wanted my last year there. Um, and so I had to turn it down. But, you know, if I'd been on the cruise ship, I probably wouldn't have booked cats. And then my career would have been completely different. So it, it's usually all for the best. Yeah. My cousin had a very similar situation. He got drummer for Jesse McCartney's first score. Wow. I know, but he would have had to miss like April on for his last part of high school. And his mom was like, no, mm. he doesn't regret yeah. it. But mm. he's not even in the biz anymore. He's an electrician. Hey, so, that's, a, that's, that's steady work, honey. Yes, very consistent. My whole family is mm -hmm. a legacy of them. But we're not here about them. We're here about you. So, <laughs> if you could reprise a role, which one would you want to do? Oh, I'd love to do, I honestly would love to do Priscilla again, but I don't know if I would do the same track. I'd want to do the Tick track, because um, I understudied the Adam role, which was super fun. But I think Tick just kind of goes through a better journey there, so it would be fun to do that. Um, a role I've done before, I mean, it'd be fun to do. It would be fun to do Oren Scrivello again, um, the the dentist in uh, Little Shop. It's such a fun role, and especially in Act Two when you get to play a bunch of different parts. It's 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 real fun. You have some of the best photos, by the way, of you as Hit Doctor O in Little Shop. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, I forget who took them, but like, yeah, I was like, um, he came to I think our final dress, and my my I remember because my gas mask wasn't fully complete yet, but it still looks good in pictures. I was like, okay. Because <laughs> they spent some time on that gas mask for me and it looked really hilarious when it got on stage. Well, that's just a little shop and it's all campy self. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Super fun. Okay, so along with being just like the triple threat, you're also an accomplished film actor and director, which I guess film actor would have been mm -hmm. the triple threat. Bad me for transitioning. Oh, well. <laughs> so I liked it. 
Thank you. Your most recent role was in the controversial movie Bros. So preface everyone, I saw the movie opening weekend, and to those who had an issue with it, I don't think saw it, because the movie was very smart and addressed everything that people were criticizing it about very early on. So I was like, oh, cool, mm-hmm. people. Like, should have gave it a chance. But I was wondering for you, what was the set experience like since you were on the project way before people probably even had opinions? Yeah, it was, um, I, I had, uh, I had, I think submitted an audition for this montage of personal trainers that um, the Bobby character was going to be visiting. And that whole montage ended up getting cut. Um, but I didn't get that. And they were like, well, we need some background for this, for all these scenes. Would you be willing to come and do this? And I said, yes, I don't normally do background, but I liked the project, the first like gay rom-com by a gay director and a gay writer. And I was like, I'd love to be a part of this in any way I can. And so I signed up to do background work and they called me like two days before I was supposed to be on set for that. Like we're having trouble finding this role. It requires like maybe partial nudity and like simulated sex. Would you be okay with that? And I was like, eh, like, cause I've already done the nudity thing with Naked Boy singing. So I was like, that's fine. Um, and so then they, they put me in this role of like baseball players man with this other guy who we had like first, first RG sex scene. Uh, that happens in, uh, wait, did I go out? Sorry. It looked like you did for like a out. second, but it might have been caught. You could say it again, though. I'm going to say it again. So they put me in the first orgy that happens in Bros. There's a couple. It's a movie. It's fun. Um, and it was it was fun. Um, we were in, I was, I think, two or three days on set. There, I was part of the big, like, um, circuit party dance scene. And then later on in the like kind of more intimate scene with uh, Luke McFron and um, Billy. And it was, it, the dancing was very fun. He, Billy came out and he was like, if you're comfortable with it, be as, you know, touchy feely, kissy kissy with whoever we paired you with. If you're comfortable, we're trying to kind of like put gay sex in middle America's face in this one. So like not shying away from the sexual side of homosexual, but like going in. It was like, I appreciate that. Um, and then when it came to the other scene, me and my partner, who was playing my husband, uh, we were basically, we were like walking around in a sock all day. They had a room for us too, but when we had to like shoot, it was just like us in a sock and Billy and Luke were in boxer briefs. It was kind of, I was like, why aren't they in socks? Why do we have to be the only ones in socks? But um, it was very, it was very easy, breezy. It was like, come in. Do the scene. We had an intimacy coordinator who, like, kind of told us, if you put your hand against the inner thigh like this, you'll look like you're getting close enough, but you don't have to like be face actually in there. And I was like, cool, thanks. Um, and we shot the scene. And Nick, the director, he was like, you guys, we got like two takes, and he's like, you guys can feel free to say things as as Billy leaves too. Um, and one of my improvs made it in in the movie, which I was pretty happy about. <laughs> Look at you making your mark on gay cinema history as well. Oh, yes, with my one improv line. I'm very proud. Feel free to say <laughs> it now. Um, I think I said uh, it was nice meeting you. It's also in the trailer. <laughs> Ooh, look at you. Not just in the movie, but like in the trailer itself. Well, that's the thing. When the trailer came out, I was like, ooh, I have the trailer. I bet that means my scene didn't get cut. So I was happy about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> that means marketing thought you were viable too. Yay! <laughs> Which is something I learned about way like deeper into my knowledge of like how yeah, the yeah. film entertainment industry works. That like the director has no control over the trailer. Who knew? Yes, yeah, there's multiple parts of everything. It's met. It's like crazy how anything ever gets actually made. Like when something gets made, I'm like, wow, you did it. Like. Like reviews aside, it's like you got this made and put it out there. Congratulations! Oh, am I allowed to swear? Oh yes. <laughs> okay. Congratulations. Yes. Um. So along with those lines, you get casted as hunk or muscle guy, um, pretty often actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to know: Does that help you in how you see yourself at all? I think. Kind of a double-edged sword because you, it's basically having like a body or a good body is um, basically just another tool. It's just another way that casting can see you. And um, the danger you run is getting pigeonholed as like punk guy or, you know, shirtless guy. Um, and so that's where I think you have to show them different parts of yourself. And that's kind of what I try to do with my own media that I create. Um, I try to like, I did this uh, series called Annoyingly Fit Neighbor, where I play like the guy who's like jumping rope all the time, super positive, and then I play the other guy who's his neighbor who's like, fuck that guy. And then they have kind of an odd couple situation. And I did that mostly because I was bored during the pandemic. But then also I was like, oh, this is actually like giving me a way to kind of work when no one was working because no sets were really active during COVID. And um, ooh, I cut out again. Just gonna wait till it stops spinning. Oh no, I was listening, hearing you the whole time. No, okay, great. And um, and then I was like, oh, but this gives me a chance to kind of show more sides of myself. And I played every role in that. I played a, a woman named Kathy. Um, I you know, and it was just fun to kind of challenge myself to do that, and then put it out there and kind of have it as a calling card of like, oh, you need this. I I do that. Go look at this. So I'd say like um having a body or being cast as a hunk is fine as long as you're comfortable with that and as long as you don't let it limit yourself of what you can do very well said actually um because it also answered my next question which is psychologically how do you approach these kinds of roles because all characters are well-rounded at least to the actor playing them who knows what they capture on film and what they present after editing anyway but sure. yeah, you answered it perfectly so Thanks. good job, you. Thank you. Um, so you're also casted as the bad guy often. So <laughs> I was wondering, uh, yeah, how do you psychologically go about that? Because people say villains are always the more fun to play. Villains are really fun to play. Um, I don't know why I would usually get cast, especially even going back to high school. Um, I would get cast as either adult, um, some sort of animal or a villain. Or, or a combination of the three. And I think this, the, I have the strong brow that like easily just furrows and I look down and I look like I'm evil. Like it's just, I have kind of a face that is not quite as open and jolly as some faces. And so I think it's easier to, I, I come across as that very easily. And, I, and so it's something I don't shy away from. I think it's fun to play those parts and like even watching, I just saw um, Once Upon a One More Time and the woman who's playing, oh God, I don't, I forget her name right now. I wish I had the program. Oh, it's here. I'm going to find it. I'm going to keep talking while I find it though. 
Because it was the woman who played um, the kid's mother. She was so perfect. And wait, stepmother, Jennifer Simard. Oh my God. Amazing as like just an actress and embodying this wicked stepmother who was also like so funny. And then she had a, she sings Toxic in it. Y'all are not ready for this version of Toxic. Like she goes into these like notes at the end where she's like, basically channeling 80s punk rock bands and like heart. And I was like, where did all that come from? While the whole rest of the show, she was just kind of this evil person and having the best time with it. And so like, again, it's, I think this, like the hunk thing and the villain thing speaks to type. And I feel like you, everyone has a type and no type is like bad or good. It's just how casting sees you. and leaning into that can help you get roles but it can also pigeonhole you like i said so it's just a matter of what you want if you want to be cast as a thing all the time great present that if you want to show another side of yourself there's never been a better time to do that with we all have an hd camera in your pocket write something and shoot something that you think you're good doing that was one of um i think you we're, we're gonna go get into this later but jack plotnik like that was the one thing he taught me over the pandemic pandemic as well because i was taking some classes with him was we, we all have nothing but time on our hands right now and a camera in our pockets. Go shoot something, go make something. Yeah, wow. Again, very well summarized. I'm so like in awe of that, like how well you summarize your words. <laughs> oh, good job. Thanks. Uh, uh, I don't know how I do it. No, I'm just kidding. I, like, I just start speaking and I hope it comes out. Well. <laughs> oh, it's working here, so Ayo. Uh, okay, so after all your analysis, is the only thing that was popping up, not the only thing, one of the things that popped up in my head was, wow, you'd make an excellent wolf in Into the Woods then. Ooh, yeah, no, I've been wanting to do that. Cinderella's Prince slash, slash wolf, I would love to do. Um, yeah, uh, so, you know, it's, it's currently touring, and, you know, the agents know what I'm right for, so if I get in there, I'll get in there. But if not, um, I mean... Into the Woods is not going away anytime soon. And that's also a role that you can't really age out of unless you turn 60. So uh, I was like, I would love to do that someday. No, that's a very good point too. You cannot age out of it. Yeah, Into the Woods is actually my favorite musical of all time. I, I've seen it it's like what? One of mine. Productions of it in the past year? Well, that's, I think you should come see, uh, I didn't mean this to be a advertisement for Once Upon a One More Time, but you should come and see it because uh, the guy who um, gave us our tickets, we asked him like how he would describe the show, and he said it's six meets into the woods. So, oh my and god, I after, love six. <laughs> exactly. So after seeing that, I was like, yeah, that's a very accurate description. Oh, that is wonderful. I almost got tickets when it was in D.C. because for those who don't know, mm. I live in the D.C. area, so I get a lot of random trial period shows. I almost saw Mean Girls too when it was nice. in D.C. Oh, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which also was on tour, which actually I saw, I did see on tour. I saw it like in New York. I saw it on tour. Wow. I still okay. haven't seen that show. I, I need to see that. Just so I haven't seen it. That's a good question, too. What's a show that you haven't seen yet that you'd love to? I mean, I want to see the tour of Into the I would I, I missed out on seeing this, this revival, and I, I, I would, would have really liked to see it. Um, 
as for what's playing right now, I know there's I really want to see um, Parade, probably. I'd like to see Parade. Yeah, Parade's all over the place, especially because, like, the movie's filming, too, but from what I heard, they're actually going to do, like, time over life. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Long production period, everyone. But because this whole category... This whole like category we're in right now is about you as not only a film actor, but also a director, too. Tell us about Haunted and this fun project you created. Haunted was actually um, basically... So I did Annoyingly Fit Neighbor, and I did it in film festivals, and it, it was like, okay, film festivals liked it for a bit. And um, I then was figuring out something else to do. And actually my partner is really good at like kind of inspiring me because he knows that when I get too idle, um, it's bad for my psyche. So he's like, well, what, what's something else you could do now? Like, what, what, you know, I don't want to do another season of Fit Neighbor. I think that's done. Um, so we were brainstorming. He's like, what about something horror? And I was like, mm, maybe. Because I was also trying to think of things that I could tape or, or record where I was just the only person because when you start casting other actors, they all have schedules, and then you have to work with those schedules. And um, as, you know, I didn't have the time to do that at this point. So it was like, what else can I do where it's self-contained? I can play basically the entire part myself. And so I kind of started to have this, I had this idea for a horror film because I think the scariest ones are like people alone, in like a fort or a house or like any like anything where someone's alone and they have to deal with like the crazy or scary stuff going around them. It's like, I think that's, those are the ones where you kind of like hold your breath a little bit. Um, so I had a lot of fun kind of uh, figuring out Haunted. And I remember like writing the finish of it, I was at Schmackers and I was like, ooh, this is getting dark. This is, this, this is good. Where is all this coming from? And so I was like, but it's there. That's my end. Okay. How do I work up to that? Wow. Cool. Um, so I usually typically like to watch things people are going to ask them about, but (laughs) I'm super scared of horror. So I was like, I will let you. This is more psychological. Like there's no blood in mine. It's all very psychological. Like what's, you know, is this person really there? Is this person not really there? That sort of thing. And that's the scary. And if I had time, I know. And if I had time, I would have to shoot a couple of like alternate endings. Um, but I but I only shot the one. Yeah. Um, no, psychological like horror is like the scariest to me because you can't run away. If it's a monster, I could like yeah. potentially escape. Can't you could escape attack your mind. it, but if it's your own mind, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is why Donnie Darko is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Everyone. Oh, Donnie Darko! I really like. It's not the scariest thing I've ever seen, but I really like Cabin in the Woods. Um, if you haven't seen that, I would recommend. I know you say you don't like horror, but it's kind of like. It kind of is horror while making fun of horror at the same time. My friends forced me to watch Cabin in the Woods. But it was a whole uh, experience. It was, <laughs> it was funny. It did have very funny parts. But yeah, it was a lot. It did. Um, also, and I knew Chris, Joss. And Chris Hemsworth is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth in his like infancy before like anyone, before Thor was even a blink in any, a, a twinkle in anyone's eye. Yeah, I think they filmed it before the first Thor, but it came out, like, right after the first Thor, like, just, like, timeline-wise. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I don't know. It was amazing. That's because, like, like when, when, Joss did, when Joss did Marvel, I think he was, like, 
he he got a lot of leeway. So they're like, well, we have this horror film over there with Hemsworth in it. Let's let's release it. You know. Oh yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. He did do both. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you're also a choreographer. Yes. Yeah. When they okay. make me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk dance. Okay. So you already said that you have like a jazz training background. Do you mm -hmm. have other preferred genres of dance? Not, I mean, stage and honestly, like street dance is like real fun. I used to take my friend John Alex's class at the gym and it was just so fun to do like, like street jazz. Um, but in my training, like the first two years we had to have, we had four ballet classes a week, three modern, two jazz, one tap. So it was like a foundational education. And then as we got to our junior and senior year, we specified more. Um, favorite genre, I just, uh, I, I kind of appreciate it all. Like seeing really awesome ballet is like really fulfilling. Seeing seeing some postmodern stuff where someone's just moving a finger on stage, I'm like, that's cool. So I don't I, I don't think I would say I have a favorite. That's why I said preferred, but all good. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> preferred to dance, like probably like like street street jazz or or just theater jazz. Okay, so I'm also thinking about the schedule you just said you had. Um, how are your calf muscles alive? Um, they're okay. Um, I <laughs> I don't think I stretched them today. I should probably do that. But they're they're doing okay so far. Last week I did a insane leg workout and I was having trouble walking for about three days. So I was like, mm, maybe not that workout again. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, my calves are like the most tight part of my body. So that's why I'm always like, holy cow. Uh, yeah. Even like my two ballet classes a week when I was like in it, uh, like, ugh, killed me. I think, oh, well, also it's like if you're, yeah, if if you take some time off and then you go back to ballet, those calves are going to be like, shagunk. But um, if you're in your body, and that's why I do this, I do work it's called Built um, with this uh, program uh, called Built for the Stage which they try to tailor their workouts around working professionals in theater so that like they're not overworking you, they're not underworking you, but they're also kind of like keeping in mind that like it's hard to do eight shows a week and you have to have the stamina to do that. So to keep that stamina, you need to work out on your own. Yeah. And that was something I was very fascinated to watch during the pandemic. I was like, wow, we have a whole industry of like thespians over here waiting for the second they could get back on stage and watching like the creativity and home workouts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Home workouts and all the other stuff, like, you know, people doing vocal, you know, stuff. Like, my friend Lauren Zacharin, she did these harmonies with herself. I was like, those are beautiful. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So when you tackle a project as a choreographer, I like to mm -hmm. ask this of people, too, because I also coach things, and it's a part of that business, too. So what are your steps or creative process towards like initial idea to the, like the final product? Do you have a specific order that you typically go to or everyone has a different answer. That's why I'm always like, Oh, what's yours. I try to really focus on the characters uh, and the story. Um, I think choreography work choreography works best when it moves seamlessly with the storytelling of the book and the music. And so um, I really try to focus on the characters and what they, how they would move. Like when I did Wondrets, because I think Wondrets is like the hardest choreograph, like choreographic piece I've done so far. And it's not a lot of movement. It's it's like, you know, doo-wop girl group movement. 
But I was like, okay, these are high school students. Um, they would be putting it. Up, they would be putting on a show themselves, so they wouldn't be like amazing dancers trying to like show off big dancing skills. They're high school girls in the fifties and sixties who have probably seen American Bandstand and are trying to recreate those moves. Um, and so, and then I had to look up. Okay, what was a dance in the 60s but was not around in the 50s and vice versa so it's like i was like i could use the twist in the 50s if i wanted to because technically i think the first twist moves came out around 58 but um it wasn't really popular until the 60s so i was like i had to kind of look at the genres and the styles of like popular teenage dancing around those times and kind of divvy, divvy them up that way so i think choreography works the best when you really try to make it character focused. And yeah, it's it's fancy, it's fun to see really fast movement or flips on stage. And sometimes there is a call for that. But I think if you focus on impressive moves over storytelling, it really takes away choreography and it makes it less, um, it doesn't tell the story as well. No, again, wow, just very finely wrapped up. Again, such a good speaker. Uh, also the thing I kept thinking, I was like, we're not all newsies. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing with, but that's the thing with newsies. You wanted that. You wanted to see those impressions because that's, that was part of the movie was like seeing all these boys. That's what I loved seeing as a young male dancer and seeing all these guys, they're like doing these cool movements. And what was good about the movie too, is like, it was almost like these buddy movements and like kind of street movements. There were like, you know the split jumps and the tour and the turns and stuff like that and i think the stage show even did that correctly in a way where they would do an impressive thing like ryan Steele over here doing 800 turns but they would have that be its moment and the rest was kind of like all the boys dancing together as a group because they're on a group they're a group striking um but, but i found it very similar effective as the movie was Speaking of newsies and like linking to what we said before about taking care of your body and you could have longevity past 30 um mm -hmm. nico is the person i always point to about that because yeah. nico's like in and juliet right now and did a couple things with try guys recently and i was like guys nico's all over the place and doesn't seem like nico's stopping <laughs> well that's the thing you can that's you just have to really be mindful about it um and i would say like in your youth for me anyway in my youth i wasn't as mindful about taking care of my body as i as i am now and i think maybe it's maybe you have an injury maybe you you know I think it's dancers kind of feel like invincible until they're not until like they twist a knee or like an ankle like breaks or something like that. And you're like, Oh shit. And then you have to deal with that. And then it kind of puts you in mind. You're, you don't want to be scared about moving again, but you just want to be like mindful, like, okay, I need to do this much warm up and I need to do, I need to do this much cool down in order to effectively um, still dance the way I want to. Yeah. Again, you said it so much better than me. <laughs> Summarize things. We're just talking. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned this earlier as well that we're gonna bring it up now. You were trained by the mm -hmm. Jack Plotnik. Ooh. Oh, Mr. Plotnik. Yeah. For those, who <laughs> don't, for those who don't know who he is, um, I know him because he was Xander P. Wifflebottom in Drawn Together, one of my favorite shows. He was Xander. Strong Xander. Yeah. Um, he was also. I knew the him. Guy... I, I... Go ahead. Oh, 
No, uh, I couldn't tell because you kind of cut out too. I was like, he was also the guy Faith killed in Buffy. He was, yes, he was what the um, assistant mayor or yeah, deputy that was mayor, it. deputy mayor, I think. Um, yeah, um, I actually just rewatched that episode. I was like, oh, Jack, you're about to die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never asked him about that, like, because it must have been fun to like like shoot a death scene. And then then he had to sit there just like this for like probably so many takes, the blood coming out of his mouth and his eyes wide open. I was like, what was that like? Um, but yeah, I, I think I first like really developed a fandom for Jack around Girls Will Be Girls and his performance as Evie Harris in that. And um, it's if you haven't seen it, it's comedic gold. I think it's available for purchase on Apple now, but it's so, oh, I love it. Um, it's Pride Week. I should give it another watch. Um, but unbeknownst to me, he's this also also this amazing acting coach that a lot of people go to, and he has this theory on acting, this book on acting, and it's really helpful stuff of how to kind of cast your inner voices and just kind of get back to that place of playing free, which is kind of how we all first act is by playing pretend as a kid, and really that's that it's not much more difficult than that. Aside from like, if you're in theater, you also have to get training as, as you have to get vocal and dance training. And on TV, you wanna make sure you're not like completely turning away from the camera, like when you're pretending. But um, it's it really is getting back to that rudimentary, just like playing and having fun and pretending level that is actually really exciting to see it on stage and on screen. Yeah. Um, and I know you put it on your resume because that's actually where I got a lot of these questions if you didn't pick up on it, but I assume you did by now. Um, yes. And I, so you've, you've been to my website. Thank you for visiting the website. I appreciate it. No problem. It's one of my favorite things about people in the in the biz or your biz, not my biz, but in the biz is that like you can find out so much about them by going to their websites. Well, there. Yeah, um, a lot of people, some actors don't have websites anymore. They, they think kind of social media is more the place to kind of have an online resume, which I think there is there is validity to that. But I kind of just wanted a landing page of like, here's my junk. Um, and also it comes up on a Google search of like, okay, it's usually IMDb page, Instagram, and then website or something like that. Exactly. No, I'm with you on that. Like there are people with not enough attention spans to sit down and go through your TikTok. Like, let me just read. That's a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but casting, some casting does look at, at socials now. So you kind of have to be a little mindful about what you put there. But I, you know, mine, mine airs on mine, mine plays with comedy a lot. So I feel like as long as I'm putting out something funny that I like that isn't too risque, um, then I, I think I'm doing all right. And by the way, people, not to like out Alex's world, but Alex is so active, like on Insta. Um, that's how we connected. And yeah, it just, is. I wanted to say thank you, by the way. I This is a good way to sneak it in. Uh, I was asking you questions randomly last night, assuming that, you know, oh, I'm a boring person. I'm just like at a typical Sunday night and you're answering me. And then two seconds later posting you're at Broadway <laughs> cares. And I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Well, I think honestly, it's. It, I appreciate when anyone. I still like anyone who shares a, a reel I make, or or hopefully, uh, I can't get to all the comments all the time. But if someone shares a reel of mine, I usually try to reach out and thank them because there's so much content out there now that anyone's like 
take the time to comment on mine, like mine, share my stuff. It's like, it is a thing and it's, and it's something I appreciate. And I don't want people to think that it's just like, oh, whatever. Cause I know I see it. I see it happening in, in real time. And I, and I do appreciate when it happens. Oh, thank you again. Uh, so when people put things on their resume, since we were talking about that, uh, is it because people should know what like a teacher specializes in? Or is it more so to show that you have like training? I think with training, it's to show just where you've been trained. And if if I ever put a name there, it's usually because it's someone in the business that people that is like a touchstone. It's like, oh, he's studied, he's taken Bob Krakauer's class. He knows his way around the camera at least a little bit. He he's taken Jack Plotnick. I know what that school is. He's taken Matt Newton. I know what that is. Um, and so usually it's that. And then with other stuff like actors, if you list director or a choreographer or something like that, it's usually to be like, oh, if this per if you're auditioning for someone and they have a relationship with one of those directors, choreographers, they can also reach out to that person and be like, what was this person like to work with? They don't always do that, but it's always like an option. Yeah, network. It's the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So under resume is one of my favorite sections for actors is special skills so <laughs> <laughs> you have whip cracking on there so i sure do um i actually first learned it for uh a production of Lafayette full at the goodspeed opera house in 2015. um i think i had at the audition when they asked me if i could do it i said i could and i could i wasn't as good as it at as i wasn't as good at it as i am now and I kind of learned on the job there how to be a little better with it. But um, it's real fun. Like, I, I was such a fan of Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman growing up. I was like, now I now I try to do that volley she does when she, like, snaps the head off of the um, mannequins. And I can pretty much do it. It's the, it's the side crack into the overhead crack that's a little hard for me. <laughs> you know, I found out she did all four in one take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like our four years are yeah, she, similar. She, she got, yeah, she got that in, in one take. And I'm sure they did more takes of it, like just to get like close-ups and shit like that. But um, but yeah, she got the four cracks in one take. Yeah, amazing. Because I've done whip cracking mm -hmm. myself. It is scary, uh, but I'm a scaredy cat, as you know. It's, it's hard, yeah. And she was using a 12-foot 12 uh, leather that, that that's actually heavy to do. And she's a little, little person, so. <laughs> but the coolest writer on earth. Uh <laughs> how often does whip cracking come up like if you put something on a resume i when I, read the, them, I don't i the last time i got asked about something in my special skills was like never ago i it's never really looked at um or in my experience i've never been asked in the, in the room oh what about this um or if it is it's like usually like why are you good at this or like why did this come about um, it, like I have family guy impersonations on there. I've never been asked to do one. I have independent eyebrow movement. Um, I can't do that as much anymore because I have a little, uh, Botox in the forehead at the moment. Um, but it still kind of happens. Um, so I, I think it's just a fun, it, it's mostly like the fun section, but, um, I've, I've yet to be asked to do something off of my special skills, like on the spot. Wow. 
Okay, see, that's the first thing I go to whenever I look at resumes. I'm like, special skills, special skills. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, I feel like it also tells a story of like, wow, you have jump rope on there. Like, yeah, and it's um, and that's and it's also like you you put things that you might be you might think be useful, like bull bullwhip cracking. There's Hana the Whip Lady from Lacage, so if they're looking for that, that's there. Um, or something from Oklahoma or anything where you have to be a cowboy, bullwhip could come into like use there. Jump rope is, you know, whipped into shape from Legally Blonde. They, there's a whole choreographed section for that. So you try to put things you think might be useful to to the production. Like I put my accents that I can do on there. So it's like if they're looking for an Aussie, like, okay. Yeah, it's, just, it's kind of a way to be like, if you need certain stuff or like specialty stuff for your show, that's where it is. And it is fun too. Like, like the Family Guy impersonations, it shows you have like a little bit, hopefully shows you have a little bit of a personality. um yeah no that's a great way to say that too you also mentioned your dialects i was wondering what is rp rp is received pronunciation it's basically the queen's english uh it's uh but it's funny because i would do it for my my partner is uh from from england He, he he grew up in london and i would do my rp for him he's like yes that's good but nobody talks like that like except for the queen so it's like it's good if you're gonna audition for the crown. Otherwise, it's like you need to kind of like dial it back a bit, be a little more um, I don't know, love actually about it, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, because when I saw RP, I assumed it was like British, but that's just because I was assuming like royal person. <laughs> so okay, what's like, R? I could see it may, it, definitely. Well, basically that, yeah. So it could be really be either, but I think it's received pronunciation. I believe that's what it stands for. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. And you also do Australian, which I feel can come in handy. Uh, Aussie's good. Um, I had a, well, I spent a year on the road doing Priscilla and, you know, we were kind of, we were coached in how to do Aussie, but we did a little, a slightly more English Aussie because we were doing it for an American audience and you listen to some Aussies and they could say a whole sentence and not have a lick of an accent just because it's kind of, they have the harder R's sometimes. So um, we tried to do a little bit more of an English Aussie so that it hit the ear a little differently for an American audience. Yeah, how'd you pick up Minnesota? Um, From watching Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh my God, (laughs) I love that movie. Me, too. And everyone says it should be a musical, and I'm not sure it should, just because it lives in like the mockumentary format, and it's hard to recreate that on stage. I'd be interested to see how it's done, because uh, it, like if it works, it would work amazingly, but I feel like it would be hard to recreate the mockumentary setting on a stage. Also, lots of cancelable moments. <laughs> oh, completely. They, they use the R word in there so many times. Like, they'd have to get rid of that. <laughs> Lots of death, which I guess is fine on Broadway. I mean, you were in Little Shop, but... Death um... is fine. And they, and their deaths were funny. Like, uh, that, that's... It's, it's, it's a dark comedy. Like, it's, it was the height... Kind of the height of, like, 90s dark comedy, I'd say. Yes. It was the first thing I watched on HBO Max when I got it. <laughs> it's on HBO Max? Well, now just Max, everyone. But yes. Oh, I got to check because normally it's not on streaming. So like, or it's on streaming for like a month that goes away. 
I'm sure I watched it there. That's all I know. Um, it was that yeah. and the nanny, the two things I bought HBO Max to watch. Ah, <laughs> uh, the nanny, nice. Well, I, yeah, I love Drop the Gorgeous. It's it's touchstone. <laughs> Speaking of which, also three accents you have on your resume is New York, Boston, and Southern. And yes. So, but there's like you know differing degrees of New York and Boston. You know, pack the kind of garage. Like it's it's you know. Hopefully you're not tested on these like, in the room because normally it's just like, these are hopefully things that if people are looking at you for a breakdown and they need someone with a Boston accent, they're like, oh, it's listed. Give him these sides and he can come in with a Boston accent doing those sides. Cause I feel a lot of pressure on um, like, even when I'm like, uh, I meet someone in there, Aussie and one says, Alex does an Aussie accent. They're like, oh, do it for me. It's like, I don't know if I could do it now because I feel like so much under the under pressure that there's an expert in front of me who's going to be like, that is wrong. <laughs> no, I feel that way too. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but I'm from Long Island uh, and half my family's in Boston. Uh, and yeah, and I okay. lived right next to JFK. So like, I wasn't like- Oh, she was right there. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> so no, when people say, "Oh, your accent's coming out," I'm like, "Guys, I I never fully had the accent. I spoke like a valley girl my entire life. It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Accents kind of like got muddled when TV came along because everyone just kind of started talking like that Midwestern thing on TV. I think um, you know. I have a whole like thing about TV because when I was born, I'm born in early '90s, so um, okay. I feel I'm a baby, but <laughs> not really. Uh, but everything in, on TV in the 90s was in New York. It's a lot of New York in the 90s. Um, Friends was shot in LA, but set in New York. So yeah. like that was a big 90s. Mm -hmm. Lots yeah. of New Yorks. And it made a lot of people come here. And now no one will go away. And everyone should go away. This is my city. Get out. I was about <laughs> to say. I was like, hold up. You also ventured. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. No. Um, yeah, it was a lot. I think it's just because New York is, you know, that bustling town that that city that is like everyone comes here with a dream it's really easy to write shows around based on all of that yeah or have it as its setting i should say and just because everything's there anything can happen like literally totally. any sitcom literally situation. Anything. oh will and grace is the <laughs> other one i always think of uh will and grace too yes and i believe i believe they sh actually shot in new york i could be wrong about that but i think they did um, because sure they whenever did. they would have exteriors, they they actually used they used a lot of New York exteriors whenever they on a set. Yeah, um, <laughs> like how I learned that the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody is actually what's it called? Wherever yeah. Eloise is, the Plaza. Oh, okay. uh, yes. Yeah, my parents that my parents told me that they're like that's just the Plaza. I was like, oh, whoops. Well, there's the Plaza, Boston. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you're also a creator, which I think people have gotten the vibe from because you've already spoken about a billion things. But if you could create <laughs> a dream project, what would it be? Oh, yes. Uh, I I have a, a, a an idea for a couple of movies, but I have one that's like um, based around like a group of gay friends going on a going on the Atlantis cruise because so much happens on those cruises. And it's like every every gay from every walk of life, because a lot of people like this is their one vacation they take a year. And it's also performers. And it's also, you know, it's, it's every age, shape, race, color, creed of, of gay all on one ship. And it 
I remember my first experience on it. I was working, we did like, a, we did a production of Naked Boy Singing on there. And um, it was just so, like the part, the, it was just, it's an unbelievable experience, but it's also overwhelming, but it's also enriching. So it was, it was like just a ball of like, everything that I was like, this this needs to be a movie. And so I, I started writing out a script to it, but I started it and I was like, this is going to be like my feature that a studio needs to produce because it's going to cost a lot of money. So um, I, I feel like I, I always have that on the back burner. I always like look at it, go back to it, change things, keep writing. But it's that's like my long form project. I, I have like a couple of other things along the way that are like a little more reasonable and practical. But yeah, the, the cruising movie would probably be my like dream at the moment to get that made. Awesome. If you're making the dream cruise thing. Wait, you said musical? <laughs> no, I mean, okay. it's a gay movie. So there would probably be like a musical section or like at, at one point I was going to base it around like uh, like a, a naked boys type show being on the on the boat. And it's the cast that's, you know, dealing with the the, the cruise. But I was like, mm, maybe, maybe not. So it's it's there's a lot of things in the head but you know having a show or like a, people in a show on there does leave room for musical numbers so it's kind of fun yeah just a sequence here and there um yeah. <laughs> dream collaborators oh my goodness um like anyone who wants to collaborate let's go um <laughs> i don't know i i'm i'm such like a lone wolf when it comes to like my creative process that um, I'd have to think about that. And I know you gave me these questions ahead of time and I should have thought about it, but um, I don't know. I really like just, I honestly write these days like collaborating with people who I know who are all creators. Like I've done like um, Aaron Goldenberg. I did like a, a couple of things with him because I think he's really fun and creative. Um, uh, Michael Jetson Berry, who does the Moira voice. Uh, I, I did something with him because I really like to just find people who I think are kind of on that level of like, like creative output that I am and be like, oh, let's do something together. And then usually I'll write something, give it to them. And they'll like, you know, we'll have a back and forth. Um, I would say, um, wait, it popped in my head and then it went away. Dang it. I'll think about it and it might come up again. Um, <laughs> But yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically, it's just just people who I know. Like, ooh, Jack. Like Jack. I, I've been trying to write something for me, Jack Plotnick, for like a minute. Um, I think I have an in right now with continuing. I did this kind of short series called um, Gay Relation Shorts, where I played both sides of the couple. I was thinking about sending them to couples therapy, and then Jack could be the therapist. And but so I've like started noodling on that, and then I might like, because also it's like Jack's on the West Coast, so I'm on the East Coast, so it'd have to be things that can be self-contained and shot. Um, and I was like, that kind of works. Uh, so might noodle on that, and I would love. I think Jack is so creative in everything he does that it would be an honor to just like have him in one of my things. And so I would say probably Jack. Awesome. Uh, oh, God. Load, load. There we go. Dream role for yourself. <laughs> I'd really like to try Hedwig before I get too old. Uh, <laughs> some would argue I might be too old at the moment. Um, but 
it's just such a departure from a dance role that it would be such a challenge. And especially like since you're you're it, you are the show. Like you have to know your shit. You have to be confident in that. You have to come to the stage and you have to do it for eighty to ninety minutes. I I love the show and I, it's such great music, and it, and the challenge aspect of it. Like that's why I want to do that. I I think I've told my agents at the start of the year. I was like I would basically pay to do this role. So if there's anything out there, just submit me for it. <laughs> wow. Uh anything that you'd want to produce hmm just my own stuff just the stuff we've talked about like that movie um i'm hoping that the series we just shot like gets picked up by a streaming platform and then like we could make season two like bigger and better that could be a fun thing as far as like shows um i feel like i'd want to do i'd want to produce a cabaret um, like the, the the musical cabaret, I think it'd be fun to like dive into all of that. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Uh, to mm -hmm. actually, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. Everyone, oh. if you don't know cabaret, oh, yeah. you go check history. Uh, <laughs> so you have your dream cruise like movie coming up, like it's happening. People picked let's, it up. Let's yes, okay, yes, let's say it happened. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> manifesting. Who would you want to be casted in it? I mean, I originally started writing stuff to put myself in it, but at this point, um, I would want it to be a little bit younger of a cast. Um, so maybe, maybe like a Noah, I would want to know a Galvin in there. Um, I, I would want to do what Billy did and try to cast as many actors as I could and to play, to play the roles in the show or in the movie. Um, so I would honestly just look at, you know, uh, is it Jonathan Sharp, the, the guy from uh, Richardson? Is that his name? Uh, yeah. Jonathan Sharp, I don't think is from Bridgerton. I know who you mean. What is his name? Lord Bridgerton himself. Yeah, what's, yes. What's his name? Jonathan. Uh, oh, Bailey. Jonathan Bailey. Probably him. But even he's like, he's like, he's a few years younger. He's a few years younger than I am, but I think it would have to be a younger gay cast. So it would probably have to be like live casting that um, with like a few, a few names sprinkled in there. I would also want like, you know, Ian McKellen on that because it's like, it, I would want, it's, it's gay, like I said, gays of every age. So I would want as many, as much queer representation and, you know, age and color and race representation as I could. Awesome. So you casted your all ages group. What kind of cameo would I be making in this dream cruise? <laughs> um, you want to be a drag queen? I have not ever done drag before, but Okay. Um that but that it'd be super easy to, to squeeze you in there. Um yeah, and that's the thing. It's like and that's the thing about giving giving the roles to mostly gay actors is that it, it's people who don't necessarily get the opportunity to have roles. And I think that's was that was why Billy did what he did with um, Bros was because it's like for so long gay actors had to either stay in the closet or kind of be relegated to gay best friend over here on this cable show or something like that. Um, but now that's changing. And I think Billy's film was a step in the right direction of that to be like, we can play anything. Also, it's important for us to have representation, a gay actor representation in our own stories, I think. Yeah. Boom. Again, mm -hmm. you said it better than I could comment back on. 
So <laughs> final question of the main question portion is Ooh, what would okay. you, what would you tell your critics? Um uh, I, mean, I, I tell them it's okay. <laughs> like I don't like I don't get many critics, or if they do, they haven't been overly vocal. Um I'm sure there are people out there who dislike me. Um but I, I, it's, I don't know, it's like, I don't know if I would say anything to them because I don't think it's smart to spend energy on like trying to convince someone to like you or not hate you or, or this is my work, please like it. It's like, no, the people who are gonna like it are gonna like it. And the people who aren't, aren't, and that's fine um, because they can go find something else. I would say like to people who need, feel the need to comment to negatively on things they don't like, I would tell them stop wasting your time. Go do something else. Go make your own stuff. Like that's that's somewhere you can better spend your time. Then I know it's it can feel validating and it basically like um, published road rage when you're when you're on the internet and you don't like something. You're like I'm gonna sound off about this. It's like you rarely change someone's mind and your mind is rarely gonna be changed in those re in in those interactions. So you can spend your time way better doing other things, creating other things. Yep, I fully agree. Um, but I would also like to say, well, not every critic is a bad critic. Like, not like or giving negative critique, I should say. <laughs> True. No, and I'm always open to, like, it's a stoic thing to be like, prove me wrong. Like, if I have an opinion and you think it's wrong, great, let's talk about it. But I think the, the internet, if you're just shouting back, like, you're stupid or something like that, like, that doesn't help any. So, and I've been guilty of that myself in the past and I've had to go back and like retract and be like, yo, yo, I'm sorry, I wasn't in the right mind space for that, I, I didn't. And usually people are receptive to that. But um, but I try to stay away from that now because I'm like, what? There, uh, like not to bring it all to stoicism, but I think there's like the three questions of like, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? Does this need to be said by me right now? And usually you'll come to a no. And that's, so I try to think of that when I'm, when I'm like getting outraged at something, or I think I know better, like, okay, take a breath. Wow. Again, I can't comment back. Wise words. Um, you brought philosophy <laughs> into this. Well, she's, she's, you know, getting up there. So she has a, a little bit of knowledge, not a lot, but a little. <laughs> All right. So before we go on to rapid questions, everyone, I got to plug my plugs. Um, you're more than welcome to comment as I go, but I basically got to read this paragraph and hope I don't like screw it Do up it. enough. <laughs> so, Geek Therapeutics wants you to feel like the superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book. Imagine what it's like to be in an anime character's shoes. Feel proud during the instant you raised your arms in victory after conquering a Dungeons and Dragons quest. And cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning the esports tournament. They want you to use geek culture and its artifacts such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books, pop culture, esports, and tabletop RPGs to unlock the best version of yourself and others. All their trainings and stuff are approved by the APA, ACE, and BCC, and APA, like literally the American Psychological Association that we all have to do those weird citations for, like they're in on this. <laughs> for their trainings and certifications, check them out at geektherapeutics.com. Use the special link in the description and subscribe to their awesome content and begin to learn how to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. And feel free to reach out if you have any questions because I actually got the certification. So I know it's not fake at least. 
benefited me, it could benefit all of you too. Boom. Awesome. There it is. Wow, I did that in one breath. I'm proud of myself. Well done. <laughs> nice. Thanks. You know, it's like I, I've written something for myself and I have to go back and do take after take after take. I'm like, you wrote this. Why don't you know this better? Oh my God. If you go listen to the trailer, it took me eight takes. I know. It's like, I. Uh... I, I, whenever I was shooting, I had like literally had my computer next to me. I was like, what did I write? It's that. It's really long. Why did I write that? Delete, 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 delete. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel that. Um, so, are you ready for these rapid fire questions that no one ever does rapid? Okay. But... <laughs> okay. All right. I'll try to do as rapid as I can. Here we go. Question number one What are your chosen coping skills? Chosen coping skills? Uh, watching nostalgic television um, and and sitting with my cat and my man. I call it family time. It's my favorite thing. Nice. What show would you bring back? Ooh, Dollhouse, but I would reformat it for like an HBO Max situation or just something cable where the, there can be a lot more sex, blood, and swears. You know, I'm. No one ever know, remembers Dollhouse, so I really appreciate that I, answer. I really think it would have done a lot better if it was on like an FX back in the day because it was on Fox, and the the original pilot was a mozzing, and it it painted the hero as this kind of like anti-hero who you didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, this is cool, but it was on Fox, and I think they needed. They got the notes like we need an actual hero here. And I was like, uh, it would have been better on like FX or or HBO or something. Like that. Yeah, if it got the American Horror Story treatment, would have been like insane, right? So that's that was always like I I I wish I would bring that back. I think it was a really cool idea. Right. Which fictional character would you want to end up with? Hmm. Oh goodness. I guess Prince Eric. Just I'm gonna be basic and say Prince Eric. <laughs> animated or i mean the new one weren't no weren't no slouch a little young for me but i guess so is the animated one like i don't know like how old are they supposed to be i just know he's handsome and i was like maybe him <laughs> what would your signature candle scent be oh god it would be bad it'd be something like uh <laughs> usually coming from the i'm usually coming from going to the gym so it's uh I think it would be called Skank Tank. Wow. <laughs> no one's ever had a name for it. Smell like, and it would, it would smell like one of those like really small like stringer tank tops after like three days of being at the gym. So enjoy everyone. <laughs> That's a very distinct scent, everyone. Um, if you haven't ever smelled that. <laughs> and I have. But I appreciate the name. <laughs> <laughs> What would you put in a time capsule? What would I put in a time capsule? When is it supposed to be opened? Up to your interpretation. Feel free. Okay. Um, oh, goodness. What do I love? Um, what would I put in a time capsule? I would put, uh, like, the DVD set of Strangers with Candy um, in a time capsule. I think. Talk about problematic shows. Definitely. But um, I, one of still one of the most hilarious things to watch. So 
I, I would put those in there. The Trapper Keeper set that had the like, it looks like a Trapper Keeper. I'd put that one there. I hope the future has DVDs. So I hope they have a sense of humor because it's really bad. So it's... <laughs> um, oh, oh, this would be fun for you. If you ran away with the circus, what would be your act? Um, ooh, I, 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 fortune teller just popped into my mind. Probably because I can be good at reading people and yes ending, so I could probably like tell them what they want to hear. <laughs> Perfect. No one said that yet. Basically, I'm a charlatan. I'm a charlatan, and you shouldn't believe anything I say. Damn. I wonder why you <laughs> saved this for the end to say. Oh. <laughs> Uh oh, what would your 45 minute apology video be about? Oh gosh. Um and it has to be 45 minutes. Um the apology video would probably I'd probably try to do it some sort of comedic twist on it and make it a 45 minute long version of Gretchen Wieners's uh apology to to all the girls that she then falls into or doesn't because no one catches her. I would try to do something like that. Like something that was so like hateful and, 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 but like and people get it after five minutes and they turn it off and then they turn it back on again. Just is he really still, is he really, he's not apologizing. He's really just doing this still. It's a bit still. Uh, uh, ugh, okay. It would be that. I feel like that's Emmy worthy because of how long you'd be in character. <laughs> that's a very intense state to be in. I, I would bring up Toaster Strudel. I would bring it. I would bring it all up. So yeah. <laughs> and I would like to say, everyone, no, it doesn't have to be forty-five minutes, but they all were forty-five minutes for a good year. That's true. Yeah. Okay. They were. And so yeah. They were. Ugh, just it didn't need to be, but we all watched it. Sadly. <laughs> Yes. I didn't even know who they were before these videos. All my friends are just like, oh, watch this video. Right. You'll laugh. And I did. It's like, why am I, why do I hate this person? Let me know. Like, Literally. <laughs> oh, not asking you to do, but what is your best impression? Um, probably uh, Herbert the Pervert from Family Guy. I'm pretty good at the, like, so he talks like this. He has a whistle in his voice. So exactly. That's probably my best impersonation. Wow, thank you for doing it. No one's done theirs yet. <laughs> they just say yeah, it's this. <laughs> oh. That, yeah, shape... that's probably that's probably the best one. Yeah. What shape is your star? What shape is my star? Oh, that's I'm like, don't know how to compute that. Like, uh <laughs> let's cut off the name of the show. <laughs> oh, yes, but I'm just like, what shape? What shape is my star? It's a regular five-point star. Um, I think, like, if we're going off of a play of words of the show, the shape of my star is still being formed, as is everybody else's. Damn. Great. Oh, these three are my favorites, and that's why I save them for the end. Here we go. Who would play you in a documentary slash movie about your life? Um... A young Timothy Oliphant. What genre would that documentary or movie be? Mockumentary with uh, Christopher Guest uh, and Joss Whedon directing. And finally, 
If your life was a jukebox musical, what would be the opening song? Oh, goodness. Uh, Bo Burnham's um, Nerds. All right, everyone, you heard it here first. That <laughs> actor you said who I did not know in a mockumentary style <laughs> singing Nerds. Timothy Oliphant. Um, God, he was most recently in this uh this western show and i'm forgetting the name of it but i i remember him because he was in the broken heart club he was the protagonist in that so cute so so like sexy in that and he was also one of the killers in scream 2. i also have to say he honestly looks a lot like josh dumel oh are you looking him up right now yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's kind of like He's kind of like the, the more rough and tumble version of Josh. Like, he's the handsome version, whereas, like, Josh Dumel is the pretty version. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I totally yeah. get it. Um, but, yeah. He's singing nerds, everyone. Get with it. <laughs> I think that's the name of it. It's, like, I just know that it starts with um, the F word. And I'm, like, oh, uh, that, like, the the gay F word. And I was, like, that's kind of fun to start off the, the jukebox musical with. <laughs> You know, you're the one of the few people that I didn't have to explain Jukebox Musical to. Really? Okay. Well, I'm glad I understood. <laughs> I, as you promote one, hit me maybe one more, once upon a time. There's now at the Marquee Theater, uh, they did not give me my, they did give me free tickets. So maybe it's good I'm promoting it. But um, I had a ball. Oh my God. I, I, I hope it runs. I think it will. I think it has legs to run on because... It's so fun, and it has a good message, and it has funny, and it has the Britney. It just, I loved it. All right. No, yeah. Um, Britney's running Broadway right now, uh, is the joke <laughs> of TikTok. And yeah, we can't deny it. <laughs> All right. Um, but thank you so much for coming on, Alex. Where can people find you? Oh, she's on uh, Instagram, at Alex Ringler. I, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter as well, but I'm not really active as much there. And I'm on TikTok at, at AlexRingler0, because there is a girl who has my same name who already has the Alex Ringler, and she will not give it up. So it's okay. Did you confront <laughs> her about giving it up? I did not. I, I occasionally check to see if she's still there, and she is. So I'm like, all right, you got there first. Have at it. <laughs> Damn youth. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, is there anything else you want to say to the world while you have the platform here? Uh, stay tuned. Uh, season one of The Struggle will hopefully drop this fall with the first two episodes premiering sometime during the summer. I'm not sure if we're going to post those online, but I think we'll probably at least post the pilot online somewhere, probably under my YouTube channel, Jumpity Dude Productions. And it stars uh, myself, Darius Rose, a.k.a. Jackie Cox from RuPaul's Drag Race. And Demarius Coates, who is currently um, in the Broadway musical Some Like It Hot. By the way, everyone, uh, today is Juneteenth, 2023. I like to give context in case we say something that gets canceled later. Um, and this episode's <laughs> supposed to drop October 24th this year. This is dropping October 24th? Yep. Oh, then um, I think you might have to delete this later because... Like, no ink is on paper yet, but come see me and Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical, now touring the USA. What? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll ask you off camera because 
I don't know. You might be in my city, so. <laughs> Possibly. I, 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 don't, I don't know if DC's on the list yet, but the list is currently updating, so. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, let me make a note to remind myself to come back and check this. <laughs> uh, time-wise because otherwise I should be able I should be able I should be posting something about it as soon as they announce the cast but um they haven't yet so I'm not allowed to yet okay well yeah. let's I'm, I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble <laughs> I'm a small yeah. production everyone but if it's October know. 24th we will be well into the first month of the show so it, it should be fine Woo! Mm -hmm. all right um so yeah again Alex just thank you thank you thank you so much for coming on <laughs> Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, and that jingle you liked before, you're about to hear the full version. It's a full it's 64 count. Yeah, and mm, uh, mm, patch us mm, next mm, orbit satellites. And see ya. Bye, world. Bye.